Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi, how are you? Uh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Good. <laughs> Don't ask me any questions about it. Okay, look. So we have this porch, right, on this cabin. What's the deal? Well, let me tell you. A bird or something keeps pooping <laughs> in one particular spot on the porch. This really is a Seinfeld spot. Look. He's pooping, George. <laughs> Look, it's bird poop. Looks like bird poop, right? Yeah. No big deal, right? But there is no place above the spot for a bird to perch. <laughs> he specifically pooped on my porch. It's like, no, this bird has to hover in midair, poop, and then go. The poop and go. He does the poop and go. To me, it's a it's a mystery. It's a mother nature mystery. Yeah, it just really is such a Seinfeld set. I can't <laughs> I resist. I know it is, but it is a mystery. There's no place for this bird to perch. Yeah, I don't know how it's doing it. Well, maybe it just they poop out really quickly. Maybe it just flies through your porch and poops without hovering. It has amazing. It's 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 an Olympic level poop accuracy. <laughs> Maybe it is competing in the bird poop Olympics. This this bird should take up archery or something, you know? <laughs> so, I don't know. That's the immediate thing that Got is affecting it. So my So, that's mood. the main problem in your life. It's the main, it's the only thing. Is this one poop spot. Oh, my God. Chonk is going mad, running around the house. Oh, he stresses me out sometimes. Animals. Animals can be stressful. This cat, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I'm fine, because the main issue I'm dealing with is a bird shitting. Yeah, well, I'm glad to hear it. What are your equivalent issues? You know, I'm doing pretty good. I've been having a good day, a chill day, getting my shit done. Took the dog, you know, for a walk like I do. Yeah, I don't know. I feel I feel like I've been, I've been chilling. I've been having a, a good old time. Things are going pretty good. A video game I'm really excited about is coming out tomorrow. Yeah, I don't know. I'm chill. Teaching, learning, you know, eating, pooping, pooping in that one spot on your porch. Oh, it's uh, you. It's me. <laughs> it's me. Your poops are like tiny bird poops. Yeah, they're like tiny bird poops, and I'm an Olympic level poop shooter. Yeah, you are. Poop archeress. Well, that's great. Yeah, but stuff is good. I'm, I'm excited for what we're going to talk about today. And I've been doing some good work on the Temple OS stuff behind the scenes this week. We should record a new behind the scenes episode soon. Been doing some good work on that tomorrow, going to a Kabbalah Shabbat at a friend's house. Just cute all around. Great. I support you in your Jewy Kabbalah. Because something about Kabbalah Shabbat, it's, it's almost like a little too woo for me, you know? Does that make any sense? Yeah, I mean, I think that's what people thought when it was invented. <laughs> when was when they it invented? Were like, What's uh, the deal? Are you sure? The Kabbalists came up with it. I don't know exactly when. I'm guessing 12th century, since that's when they were mostly around doing shit. Let's see what the internet has to say. Kabbalat Shabbat, baby. Used to have a little, now I Kabbalat. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. Oh, you're silly. welcome. Um, encyclopedia, Jewish encyclopedia. Well, that's not helpful. That's just telling me of the times it's ostensibly referenced in the Talmud, but I know that that's not the true thing that I care about. Developed during the 16th century, I see a citation. So yeah, it's like, uh, quite recent, you know, relatively speaking in the great span of Jewish history. And it was all Kabbalah dudes 
doing Kabbalah shit, you know, which is why it's all about welcoming the queen. You know how horny they were for Shabbat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. It's a great outlet for horniness. This Shabbat. <laughs> yeah, Shabbat. Just channel it all into Shabbat. That's our solution to toxic masculinity or whatever. Just right. You guys gonna need to do Shabbat. You know. Right. Do Shabbat. If all the incels just became Shomer Shabbos, it would solve the the problem. That's what I'm hearing. You joke, but <laughs> I feel like eighty percent. Right. Eighty percent. You know. Uh, that's pretty powerful. It's a lot. It's a big percent. That's yeah. a B minus. Far be it for me to claim otherwise. So we're going to do a listener voicemail today. Oh. Yeah. So we're going to listen to this wonderful listener voicemail, and then we will talk about what they had to say. Should we listen to it right now? Yeah, let's listen to it. Let me... I just went to voicemail.com. <laughs> <laughs> Great that that you need to oh, put in the pod. Oh my god, hold on one second. Google um, Voice. I don't know if there's a way for us to I I can do it. I can do it. Oh, okay. Great. Here it is. Good morning. I am reading today's DAF, um, Nazir 40A and 40B, um, and it's talking about cutting hair with a razor specifically. Whenever there's like a, a specification about technology, I like to see where in time that user technology was created so that I can see like if there's an anachronism, which sometimes there is, but razors are very ancient technology. However, there's also the description of you can't use a plane, which is a like a razor used for wood carving um, to cut one's beard, like a Nazarite cannot cut their beard with a, with a with a plane and have it be a, a viable thing. It's like I'm curious if there it must be in the Hebrew or somewhere in the Halacha. Like, what is the difference between a razor and any other sharp implement which can cut things close to the skin? Why particularly a razor must be used and not like a sharp clamshell or like or a plane um, if there is no other suitable um, implement available? So yes, if you've had any insight, I'd really appreciate it. Feel free to play this message if you want to. Um, have a great day. Thank you so much. Thank you, beloved listener, for this question. If you follow Daf Yomi, you will know from the fact that it's about Daf Nazir 40A that it's a very old voicemail. So I'm sorry it took us so long to get to it, but I'm glad we got to it eventually. Yeah, I looked into this and I had a lot of fun looking into it. Here's the deal, basically. We all know, everybody knows about Nazarites. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. We're all sick and tired of hearing about Nazarites every day. Nazarite, <laughs> Nazarite, Nazarite. And in this particular section of the Masechet, they are talking about the laws of Nazarite haircutting, when they can do it, how they can do it, yada, yada, yada. Some rabbis say they can cut their hair every 30 days, so on and so forth, because generally they're not supposed to cut their hair. And we are also talking about and relating to Generally, the verse from Leviticus 19.27, you shall not round off the corners of your head or destroy the corners of your beard. Classic mitzvah. So we have two separate issues, related but separate. Two separate issues, but they are used to talk about each other. Okay. You know, they're sort of like, oh, okay, well, we can look at this other kind of haircutting and use the halacha about that to make assumptions about what an azir can and can't do. Okay. All right. So. I'll just start out by saying that we're arguing about several different things. We're arguing about like how many hairs you can cut, how many hairs 
you have to leave. If you cut a bunch of hairs at once, does that count as one cut or a cut for each hair? How short does the hair have to be before it's considered cut? And we're also arguing about these two verbs. So there's two verbs in this verse. You shall not round off the corners of your head or destroy the corners of your beard. These two different Hebrew verbs come into play a lot with these different haircutting implements that we're talking about in this sugya because the rabbis are like, oh, well, like, do tweezers really count as rounding off? And do they count as destroying? And like, what does that mean that they're referred to in these different ways? So that's contextually the kind of debate we're having. And we're having it about Nazir's cutting their hair. I found the most clear reference to what our listener is talking about in a quote of a Mishnah from Masechet Makot, which appears here on Nazir 40a, where we read, Rabbi Elgezer Omer, Afilo Liktob Malkait Uvrahitne Chayav. So Rabbi Eliezer said, even if he cuts with tweezers or with a rahitne, which we're going to talk about what that is, he is obligated. Obligated in this case means he's obligated to get lashes because he broke a halacha. We're, we're talking about Nazarites right now. We are generally on this stuff talking about Nazarites. In this case, we're talking about the punishment for breaking the biblical prohibition against rounding off the corners of your head or destroying the corners of your beard. That is like a part of this discussion about Nazarites, but this Mishnah is like the most clear reference I could find mm -hmm. that helped me figure out. It's like what a lot of commentators comment on to explain what this Rahitne is. Mm -hmm. okay. So that's why I focused in on it instead of the specifically Nazir stuff. So we're talking about what the fuck is up with cutting hair. And in this verse, we start off with tweezers. The Hebrew word malkate comes from this root lamed kuf tet, meaning to pick or to pluck. So that's pretty clear. Like even if you do it with pluckers, which is like a really easy thing to understand. But rahitne is not as clear. The Mishnah commentator Bartonura says a rahitne is an adz, A-D-Z-E. Oh. So if you, like most people, haven't thought about an ads in a long time. It's like a really funny shaped axe. Uh, it's an axe that almost like curves back on itself a little bit. It's used in carpentry to sort of like take flat sections off of pieces of wood. Huh. So the issue here is basically the kind of cutting that implement would do versus a razor. And in this case, what Rabbi Eliezer is talking about is sort of saying, even if you use an ads, which is not really a hair cutting tool, and maybe it won't do the best job of cutting your hair, it still counts and you're still going to get busted. Okay, so it's not like they're seriously considering using an ads. They're like doing an illustration of what if you removed your hair with a fish? Does that matter? It's like not really <laughs> cutting. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one interpretation. The other interpretation is maybe people were seriously trying to get around this and it was a genuine thing they had to be concerned about. So that's what Bartonura has to say. However, if we look at some other commentators, the Rambam thinks that this is just a different kind of tweezer. So the translation I looked at said tweezers or pluckers. That word makes no sense to me. Never called anything a plucker in my life. But I guess the Rambam thinks it could be something like 
if I say the word scissors and then I say the word shears, those two things can be the same thing, but also they conjure really different images in my mind. Okay. All right. Interesting. I kind of like the idea that they're just using like an example of something insane that you would never cut your hair with just to illustrate the point that it's not about cutting the cutting action. It's about the removing no matter how you go about doing it. And then finally, Rashi also thinks it's a different kind of tweezers or potentially a plane. The thing about a plane that is unique, P-L-A-N-E, is that it's a tool that's not usually used for hair cutting. And this is sort of similar to the ads explanation where Rashi is saying the deal is even if you use something that you don't generally think of as cutting your hair, it still like will count for this purpose and you shouldn't use a plane to sort of circumvent this. So part of what we're discussing here is what's up with Nazarites cutting their hair because in number 6-5 where we're talking about Nazarites cutting their hair, we read a razor shall not come upon his head until the completion of his days of Nazariteship that he vowed. And so Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi draws this to mean when he is done, a razor shall come upon his head, right? Which is a, a move the Talmud often does. It says, if it says this shall not happen, it means the opposite shall happen. Once the context of the shall not situation has gone away, yeah. Exactly. And so they're discussing all kinds of things. They're discussing, for instance, another possible interpretation that... There are two prohibitions here, one for cutting the hair on his head and one for using a razor to do it. And then so we might need to discuss if I cut my hair with an ads, am I liable for one of those violations or two of those violations if they might be separate violations? Wait a minute. Are we running into the weird contradiction tension where if you do this interpretation where you have to cut, you have to shave your head at the end of your Nazarite time? Are they grappling with the fact that if that's true, doesn't that violate this biblical law? No. The thing we're more running into is we have this verse about the razor, and there's a debate about what does that verse come to teach us, and which words are we using, and does that mean we can't use them for other stuff? Basically, like, what is the interpretive real estate that's being taken up in this verse? Okay, okay. And so one possibility is that this verse comes to teach us that we do need to shave it with a razor afterwards. Another possibility is that it comes to teach us that Nazarites are prohibited from cutting their hair. And they're not only prohibited from cutting their hair, they're specifically prohibited from cutting it with a razor. So it's double trouble, toil and trouble. So yeah, if they use a fish to cut their hair, that's bad. If they use a razor to cut their hair, that's double bad. Potentially, if you follow that particular interpretation. And that's a lot of what is happening on this stuff. They continue to discuss like, okay, what if you leave some hair? What if you remove your hair with a chemical? Like we talked about in that one episode about the sexy wine shop stripper guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. Great episode. And so that's how we end up getting this Mishnah from Makot quoted where... Rebbe Eliezer is basically being brought in to say, well, if we say that a razor and an ads are equivalent in this case, doesn't that mean they're also equivalent in the case of an Azir? 
Mm-hmm. And so that's the whole deal. That's why we're talking about all these implements is basically because we're trying to suss out the specificities of what is prohibited and what is required with regards to Nazarite haircutting and what that means about what we have to do. And that's why it specifically has to be a razor versus if you follow the interpretation of Yehuda Hanasi, has to be a razor because the verse from his point of view specifically implies it will be cut with a razor, not just that it will be cut mm-hmm. as a general rule. Got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it will be cut with a razor afterwards. That's part of the exit interview process. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. This kind of reasoning is used all the time. I've just been in a, a shear where we're studying some stuff about why we're allowed to break Shabbat to save a life. And one of the most famous drashas from that sugya is they quote a verse which God is talking about God's laws and ends the verse with, and you shall live by them, aka you shall live by my laws. And the rabbis drash it to mean, aka you shall not die by them. And that's the exact same interpretive maneuver that's being done by Yehuda Hanasi here. It's so interesting. It's, you know, it's generally not how people use English nowadays. Right, right. I imagine that that's not how people have used most languages. (laughs) But I could imagine that there is a society that has a language that could potentially when they make declarative statements like that, they actually do mean the opposite. You know, it's like a weird type of innuendo. Right. They don't mean the opposite, but they mean the opposite in the opposite context. That is kind of neat. I love it in interpretation of Jewish law. I don't really love it, I imagine, in interpretation of secular law. It's just funny having two sets of hermeneutical approaches, like one that you want to apply to like law that affects your daily life in secular world and then one for your like religious interpretation stuff it's it's just funny it relates a little bit to the episodes we had with rebecca Mm -hmm. just compartmentalizing your interpretive approaches yeah one thing i really like about examining a sugya like this is just thinking about talmudic material culture and like what kind of implements did people have like i didn't i never really thought I guess that people had tweezers around. I guess it makes sense that they did. But like in my head, I don't imagine tweezers in like the rabbi's little nightstands, Yeah, uh, which I also don't imagine them having. But it conjures like a new detail for me of that time to think that tweezers and whatever else is in this story was common enough that, that they had it. Yeah, that is kind of wild thinking about how do they make the tweezers and acquire the tweezers? How valuable were the tweezers? Like how much? Well, God made the first tweezers. Right, right. You know, right in creation. Yeah. So, dear listener, I hope that has addressed your question. And I really appreciate you sending it to us and letting us answer it on the air because it was a delight to answer. I also was inspired to answer this question because wildly enough, Coming up at Shalmala on the 10th of May, we are having, in collaboration with the Trans Halacha Project, the wonderful Lexi Kohansky come to give a teaching on a tefillah that she created for trans hair removal, a prayer specifically created with all kinds of amazing Kabbalistic references and stuff 
to be prayed in preparation for hair removal. And I was like, this is very topical. So I'll put a link to that in the description, a link to the registration. It's going to be really cool and also just feels cute that hair removal is in the air. Hair is in the air. Hair is in the air or not in the air. I guess it's in the air after it's removed. Yeah, I mean, hopefully it lands on the black plastic sheet or whatever, you know, on right. the floor. Whatever it's supposed to be getting removed onto. Yeah, so that's what I have to say. Look out for some patron stuff coming up soon. We'll make some and, and give you some juicy secrets. Yeah, we'll give you secrets. Thank you so much for listening to all of this Michigas and Shavuotov. Shavuotov. Shavuotov.